0: is CAA On Air.
1: Hello, and welcome to CAA On Air, the podcast from the UK Civil Aviation Authority. I'm Nathan Lovett from the CAA's communications team, and I'm joined by Chelsea Edwards, who is also part of our communications team. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome, and thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So this is part two of a three-part series looking at how drone deliveries could be used to support future ways of working in the NHS. In part one, we spoke with an organisation called UK Research and Innovation, or UKRI, that is funding research and development for greener ways to fly, including all electric aircraft and deliveries by drone. And we're now going to hear about one of the projects that UKRI has funded. This work trialled autonomous drone delivery to the Scilly Isles from Cornwall. This work was very much a partnership between the Royal Mail and a Specialist Consortium funded by UKRI. And we're very pleased to have with us Gareth Watmore from Drone Prep and Chris Paxton from the Royal Mail. Welcome to both of you and thanks for being here. And before we get into the detail of the trial, please, can you tell us about the areas of work that you're each involved with? Gareth, could we start with you, please?
2: Hi, Nathan Elton, Chelsea. Um, Lovely to be on the show today. Yes, so um, I'm Gareth Watmore, uh, CEO of Drone Prep. Um, Our mission is to open up low-level airspace for drone use. We, We have a software platform that's been backed by coordinate survey to do so. Um, And During the pandemic, we found a wonderful opportunity to use both the data on our platform, but also our knowledge to um, do some things that have never happened before. That also involved um, collaborating with Royal Mail and, and Chris. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Hi, yeah, thanks for having me too. So my name's Chris Paxton. I work for Royal Mail in the commercial strategy team. And so effectively what we're responsible for is the direction of travel for the business. So we look at um, potential new areas of innovation, of which drones um, is definitely part of, but also have a close view on what's happening in the market and what's happening with our competitors to make sure we build a Royal Mail that's fit for the future.
0: So we're really interested to know why you chose the Sicily Isles for this project, Gareth. Could you just give us a bit more information on that?
2: Yeah, really good question, Chelsea. So I can sort of track back a little bit further. So I think if you sort of think about 2019, that wonderful world that we lived in pre-pandemic, the whole sort of dream of uh, drone delivery in the UK was quite far-fetched. It was something that we all thought would happen in, in a number of years' time. We were delighted to form part of a consortium down in Southampton at that time to put a bid together to the Department for Transport, looking into drone delivery. But the milestones were exactly in the future, say so 2025, 2026. We all got incredibly excited to put a bid together for that. And that team won some funding literally sort of two months just before COVID hit the UK. And we were all very smug and very happy with ourselves and this consortia. Some big, big names were in there. And then, of course, COVID hit. And... We had a really strange situation within our consortia, where you know, the government, so ourHs picked up the telephone to the lead of that consortia and said, "Look, we have just funded something in the drone sector, which could be really helpful. Is there anything that you could deliver in a sort of two to three week?" period um that's possible now with a little bit of help and the, the quick answer was absolutely you know we're waiting for that opportunity to do things which had not happened before so the first actual drone delivery was between uh leon solent and the isle of Wight, and that occurred in april 2020 um with wind as our principal drone delivery partner on this project and then i was tasked at drone prep with okay let's let's see Now, if we can really focus in on the COVID question, where is remote, where is isolated, which areas are struggling um, with supply at the moment during the very start of the pandemic? And we focus on a number of areas in the UK and the one which we thought might need the most help in terms of providing a robust answer was the Isles of Scilly. They're 30 miles offshore. They do have a connection, obviously, by boat and by manned aircraft, but it's um, it can be vulnerable during you know the very bizarre situation of the pandemic. So we quickly focused on how we could potentially come up with a, a drone solution there involving wind racers who we've previously done work with, but also widen the scope to lots of other different companies that might be able to assist so we could make progress and hopefully find a future option that could complement and, and supplement the existing um, logistical provision out to the islands.
0: Fabulous. Yeah, that does sound like it can be very challenging. I mean, Chris, with yourself and obviously the integration and the understanding with Royal Mail. Was there any particular timescales or challenges involved with transporting of that medical cargo when you were approached that you foresaw or maybe see now in the future?
3: So um, as Gareth mentioned, the Ars of Silly is um, it's a wonderful part of the world for a start, but it's it is a, an area that is remote from the UK. It's, it's hard to serve um, at the best of times. So there are boats that go out there um, on a regular basis there are planes and a helicopter that go out there on a regular basis as well but they are susceptible to bad weather and from a from a reliability point of view there are issues with deliveries at times through really no fault of the royal mail network or the or the partners that it, the existing partners it works with it's it's down to the elements and the fact that it is 30 miles off the coast of the UK so Yeah, I mean, drains provides a a great alternative. There is a potential that um, the drains can fly in in weathers that normal vehicles can't. Obviously, they're less reliant on being able to see where they go and they fly on um, prescribed routes. So yeah, we were really keen to test and see whether we could improve the quality of service that we provide, not only to the Isles of Scilly, but potentially to other geographies, learning what we learned from this particular trial and taking it and and using it elsewhere in our network.
0: Fabulous, thank you. And Gareth, on that same point as well, And obviously you mentioned previously that it was asked upon you if you could obviously help with the specifics of medical cargo. Did you have many challenges with like people that you're working with and kind of like what were their roles taking on this project and having more people feed into it
2: i can sort of try back a, a little bit further and, and sort of explain some of the details so um again start of covid we get given this brief which um has never been attempted before i suppose in aviation circles we often get very focused on the aviation issues, So, you know, can we get a permission to fly? You know, is the aircraft safe to fly? All those sort of questions, which are hugely important that we need to unpack. The things that we don't often think about in the aviation sector, especially when it comes to new technology, is, okay, what what are we actually transporting? Why are we transporting it? You know, what what are the use cases? And actually, especially when it comes to drones itself, is are we engaging with everyone that we need to engage with? So in this particular case, we were thinking about medical items, but also parcels. You know, so we need to engage a number of people that we wouldn't typically consult with you know, outside the CA. And then for the low-level airspace aspects, which you know, we'll come on to later, especially involving the VTOL inter-island capability, we had to look at lots of different things in low-level airspace because typically aircraft fly at a fairly high altitude. A lot of the vehicles we're now looking at fly at much lower altitudes. They're autonomous, which is a big thing for people to get their heads around. And also they can land anywhere. So there's some interesting laws actually in your low-level airspace as well, which means that we do have to engage in a proactive way, uh, both to sort of get the right side of those laws, but but also win hearts and minds. The good thing about the Arsacid project is it, is it was for medical purpose, and, and we could do that, and we did lots of lots of really interesting things. The reason why we engage with raw Mail, uh, and again, again, it's, it's a timing thing, you know. So we we get this project. It, it's fantastic, especially if you're a drone. Enthusiastic, like this is the most important thing that we must do during covid but actually for the nhs it was probably one of the least important things for them to consider they were fighting a pandemic so we took the decision really early on not to go too deep with the engagement with the nhs because they were on the front line they were they were actually saving lives and, and we were behind the scenes, trying to think of a new technical solution that might be able to support them. And it didn't take long for us to realise that actually the real people that we should be talking to in terms of moving uh, medical items around and and going on that R&D journey was the third-party logistics providers and in particular Royal Mail. Um, And I usually get this quote quote wrong, so here's your disclaimer, Chris. But at the time that we first engaged, I believed that Royal Mail had carried 98% of PPE and ninety-five percent of COVID tests at that point in time. Obviously, people on the NHS frontline are involved in that process. But the real knowledge about how those things were moving around the country and how to get those items there as quickly as possible was definitely uh, sat in the lap of Chris and his very talented team at Royal Mail. So. You know, we picked up the phone as soon as we could, and, and we were blessed to have the support of, of Nick Landland, the CCO, Chris and his team. And, you know, as a result, we were able to glean lots of interesting knowledge about how we could progress that agenda and do things correctly across multiple areas, including airspace and our engagement, also medical regulators. We also had um, another company called Excalibur Health Services come and join us and, and add their expertise to the mix. That particular company is responsible again for a good proportion of, of manufacturing of COVID tests in, in the United Kingdom. But with that came all the lovely expert knowledge about how to move around medical devices and what was possible. On top of that, we also had some absolutely amazing boffins at University of Southampton that specialise in logistics and transport and, and medicines who could run a series of different tests and trials around um, the viability of uh, moving vaccines at two to eight degrees uh cold chain uh, but also appraising the different um characteristics of, of the payload area in terms of vibration because some medicines need to have you need to be able to demonstrate basically that a medicine can be delivered in a certain state otherwise you know the medical practitioner on the ground won't have the confidence to administer so what we try to do on the projects is gather all that intelligence, all those wonderful experts from different sectors, so we could find all the things that we needed to do to prove that we could move medicines and parcels correctly in the future.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, that sounds like it was really, really involved with obviously any work like this, especially when, like you said, you're dealing with medical experts and you need to make sure that you're giving that confidence to whoever's going to be picking up that parcel. And- those PPE equipments and everything like that, was there a particular length of the trial runs that you did before of this, you know, when you're working on it before you kind of put it into production, actual use for the members of those teams that it was traveling to and from?
2: It's worth mentioning at this point that, you know, it was an r funded project and there were certain things that we could carry during the project. There was a four week trial on, on the wind races and there was about a 10 day period that we were doing inter-island flights. There were certain things from a medical perspective that we, we did achieve and, and could carry, in, including COVID tests. Um, but there were other things which, um, for lots of different reasons, including politics, that we couldn't deliver, including the vaccine. I mean, we did have a note and letter of support from Pascal Soriot, who's CEO of AstraZeneca, probably the busiest man in the world um, at the time of our trial. But actually, by the time we got our airspace approvals, um, the majority of the Isles of Scilly had received their vaccinations, so there wasn't actually a a requirement from the healthcare providers on the ground for us to administer a vaccine. And of course, it was so important that vaccines went to the right place. So if the Alzheimer's had been completed, then that's where they should be directed elsewhere. So what we did do is prove the concept that we could do it, but actually by the time that was proven, it wasn't the right uh, moral and political choice to, to have deployed that solution in that context. In terms of, of testing, um, again, this is why our sector is so exciting and so collaborative at the moment. We had all these different people on board that we've previously mentioned. Skyports were excellent. They provided us with an inter-island capability. They're being featured on, on the next episode of the podcast, I believe, and Alex and his team there have done some brilliant things around uh, medical average work, especially up in Mull. We did have the opportunity to test various parts of our project in the Scotland environment to help with progress there on on the Skyports project, but also on our collaborative projects down in England as well. So there's a really nice culture at the moment where, you know, especially during COVID, you've got really bright and uh, special individuals from from good companies trying to collaborate together to solve some of these challenges in multiple environments with not any sort of particular greed, I suppose, about where we might deploy. It's just all for the greater good at a time of need.
1: Thanks, Gareth. You mentioned an organisation called Skyports there. And you're absolutely right that we'll be speaking with them in the next part of this series about a trial that they've run with NHS Scotland that explored using drones to deliver medical supplies. As you say, Skyports were also part of the consortium for this trial in the Isles of Scilly, and we're going to hear a clip now from their head of operations, Alex Brown, that explains their role. The Scilly Isles piece of was a really fantastic
4: project we did, so the focus of that project was to integrate two different types of forms of drone delivery into the same network. So what we did was we had the, the good folk over at Wind Races, which uh, they build a fixed wing takeoff heavy payload drone, if you want to call it that. Um, it's almost the size of, a, of an aircraft, so it's, sort of, it's much different to the drones we use. And what they were doing is they were transporting cargo for, for raw mail uh, over to the Isles of Scilly. But what the really interesting thing we're doing was was once that large unmanned aircraft landed over on the uh, on the silly Isles, we were using our smaller drones, the ones that we the same ones we use now, uh, National Health Service operation, to distribute cargo from the main island to the smaller islands. So I guess it was showing how you know when you start to integrate different forms of drone delivery, you can set up really efficient networks which can operate a lot of the time when you know. Other types of um, transport like ferries and and manned aviation might not be able to fly.
0: CAA on air. I did just want to go back to one point with regards to um, kind of like the collaborative aspect of this and just point a question question at you Chris with yourself obviously with Royal Mail and having dealt with uh, quite a lot of the equipment and things that you were giving out at the beginning of the pandemic you know as Royal Mail as a whole um, how did you find working with other teams and other partners for this process and kind of moving all that equipment over to another party?
3: I have to say, working with the people of this consortium has been one of the highlights of my career. It's been great. It's been a very collaborative approach, as, um, as Gareth has mentioned. People are keen to, to solve problems and not look at the, the boundaries and see what um, what we can do. In terms of working particularly for the Arza City and um, moving the stuff across that we moved, from our point of view, it, it wasn't a big change to what we do. So, yes, we used a different vehicle, um, but the actual processes either side of, of the actual method of transport across to the islands were pretty much unchanged. The only real change we had was connecting up with the team actually on the ground in the Isles of Silly. We had to arrange for the team to be there earlier than they would normally do because the, the flights that were going across were flying a lot sooner than the traditional methods of transport that would, would feed the island. So actually it didn't really result in massive changes um, in the way we operate other than the fact that it was a drone that was taking things across rather than a boat or a traditional plane
1: that we would use to serve the island. We work closely with the innovation team at, at the CAA and keen to understand what role they played in helping make sure that you had the necessary approvals or clearances to really get this trial up and running so can you talk a little bit about how that side of the collaboration worked
2: absolutely so um, so on this project there's there's two different vehicles. You've got the Wind Racer's point-to-point drone, like a very large vehicle, doesn't look like a drone, looks like a glorious sort of nineteen thirties aircraft that just doesn't happen to have a pilot in it. So if you're on the ground, it looks like let's say that, that wonderful sort of aircraft from from that period and therefore from a public perception angle. Is quite accepted because it looks like an aircraft. Obviously, the the, the safety case for it, you know, is its principles, which from an airframe perspective, are usually quite well considered at the CAA. But obviously, there's some autonomous bits and pieces on there which um, need special approvals. And I know that, that Charles Scales and his team at Windrace has worked really closely with all the people at the CAA there that could help on that journey, but also University of Southampton have got some, some brilliant airspace individuals as well. To make sure that that aircraft was safe and certified, and and that's hugely important all times. You know these, especially these new vehicles, need to be able to demonstrate that they are of the highest quality and, and are safe to operate. That's crucially important. So from from that angle, that worked really well. And then on the the other capability, which was the uh, the swoop platform operated by Skyports Inter Islands. You know that is quite futuristic looking. A VTOL craft, you know, with much smaller payload, but but quite agile and dynamic, and, and using other bits of technology like SATCOM, uh, which is quite cool. They have a permanent EV loss capability within the United Kingdom. So we could actually get permissions for them fairly swiftly because there was already something in-house with the CAA for that to happen. The CAA at every level was was superb. They also understood the, the urgency of, of the project as well, and, and helped to show where you know, in, in times of national need, we could accelerate that journey. So all that support came from the CAA. Very very proactive, very very helpful, um, and good relationships have been formed to try and do similar things again once more in the future.
1: As you know, we spoke with UKRI, UK Research and Innovation, who funded this trial in part one of this series. And one of the things that they mentioned was that stakeholder engagement element of the project was really key in ensuring a successful outcome. So what can you tell us about that side of the work and what went on in terms of engaging with local residents and the local community?
2: This was really crucial, actually. Um, and again, it's, you know, if you're sort of siloed within aviation, I think usually the attitude is quite going home. It's like, well, we have a permission, you know, to fly this from the CIA. We must fly it. And. It's for a good purpose. We all understand it, you know, but, but actually a lot of the public don't. And when you engage with a new technology in a remote community, which is quite fragile, actually, you know, the, the people that live on the Isle of really rely on you know, certain industries and certain jobs. And, and there are certain special things about the islands as well, which need to be considered. If you come in as an outsider um, without having a dialogue and saying that this is happening and you're not being consulted, that is obviously not going to be the correct way to engage. It's going to have people work against you. I remember very vividly the the first email that I sent out to the, the Tresco estate just outlining what our project would look like and how we were trying to glean support. And the email I got back within five minutes was one which proved to me that the email I'd written hadn't communicated what we were doing and the ethos behind it correctly. Um, and it also copied in about 14 of the most influential people on the islands, um, all out, <laughs> all expressing their dismay about what we were about to do. The truth of the matter is that there was no need for dismay. And we obviously we picked up um, the phone to each of those, those important individuals that had useful things to say and useful things to add to the equation and we unpacked all those issues and helped to describe how our solution could complement or supplement we, you know, we had good good things that were there the lovely outcome of all of this is we did win those hearts and minds we have won the confidence of the people on the Isles of Scilly and the support of the people of Cornwall on this project there's lots of receptiveness to, to do more work like this on the Isles of Scilly there's some big plans coming forward for Cornwall involving all the partners that we've become embedded with and it's just a very exciting time to try and push that agenda forward. But the key, I think, has been good stakeholder engagement to achieve that.
3: Just to add to what Gareth said, I think what helped in this instance is the Royal Mail brand and the Royal Mail staff, uh, particularly the team in the Yars of We're a 500-year-old brand and well-trusted by the majority of the the UK population. And our staff have a local knowledge that's second to none. So I think having the local team on the grounds support the work, which they did, actually helped with some of that stakeholder engagement. They've got that local relationship with a lot of the people that we need to speak to. So I think sometimes uh, when people hear that Royal Mail is involved, they they might be a little bit more inclined to talk than perhaps they would do to to maybe some smaller, lesser-known brands.
2: The great thing about collaborating with Royal Mail on this particular project um, is that when we had really hard, real difficult things to overcome, we could lend on the expertise from their team, uh, but also the local knowledge and the trust that Royal Mail have on the doorstep. So. We had a whole period of time in December of 2020 when we were trying to source certain sites for drone delivery and takeoff, you know, if we would be called upon at very short notice when that new lockdown was coming in. And my colleague Emily and myself, we, we travelled down to Cornwall and we shadowed the postal route you know, with one of the, the lovely postal ladies, Debbie, down there, who used her image you know, she'd been running that. That route for about 20 years, she knew all the farmers, all the landowners, and they all trusted her. They were all part of their social circle as well as their work circle. And as a result, we came up with a massive list of places that we could potentially fly from if the current route was compromised. And again, you, we just couldn't have achieved that without having a partner like Royal Mail, having those those you know, local embedded connections and that, that level of trust. So. Again, it's, it's all up to collaboration and, and putting the right people in the right places at the right time. And, yeah, it's been a huge privilege to have have Chris and his team and all the thousands of employees that have got very excited about the drone bits and pieces as well at like Royal Mail, sort of chipping in and helping and spreading the word. And it's just been the best experience. So I agree, Chris, when you mentioned earlier, you know, highlight a career, it certainly is for me. It's been it's been the best project I think I've ever worked on.
1: Just so that everybody is aware, how long did this trial run for and what would you say are the key aspects that it focused on?
2: Our project from the mainland um to the wind racers capability over to the Isles of Scilly, we had a, a period broadly of four to five weeks where that was in operation. And because we had a lot of time to plan, we fully utilized that window of time to create a scheduled service with wind racers, uh, with raw mail so we could test various different elements of flying that aircraft um, with parcels for raw Mail and, and other medical items so we might be able to improve on that situation in the future. We would have loved to have flown for longer but the current constructs made that difficult to achieve but I suppose that's now what we're all focusing on together so you know we, we're going to be inputting to the CAA's wonderful innovation sandbox team and talking with various people at the CAA and government about how we can take the learnings from this project to open up more airspace for this type of thing in the future in a way that would be respected and acceptable to other airspace users.
1: Now, there are several UK firsts that came out of this work, I believe. So can we talk about those now, please? What were particular highlights for you?
2: Yes, I think, you know, a new pioneering project, lots of new firsts. Um, I think there was over twelve, actually, at the last count. But obviously, the most significant ones are uh, the longest ever drone delivery in the UK. Uh, we uh, Wind races flew from Heronport Airfield to St Mary's. I think that's a distance of seventy miles, um, and they did it regularly on on a schedule. Again, that's that's not happened before for a period of four to five weeks. That's just incredible. And it, again, it's it's stuff that we all thought two years ago would be twenty five, twenty 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 six, that that type of area. I think we were also the first. Consortia to have landed a VTOL drone at a heliport. The first ever inter island capability within the UK as well via drone. That had not happened previously before our project. I think it was the first project that made meaningful contact with the necessary uh, regulators and specialists around moving medical items. So, again, I'm not talking about the dangerous goods element that goes through the CA, but a whole new area of regulation that we need to get our heads on top of in order to ensure that we carry medicines um correctly and robustly in line with the, the correct procedures um that journey's just begun there's lots more work to do we need to do a lot more before we're fully there on every single medical device and, and vaccine and um, medicine that exists just a huge amount of firsts um obviously i'm going to hand over to chris who can tell about the first from raw male's perspective as gareth said there's a
3: host of firsts i mean particularly From our point of view, it was our our first drone delivery in England. We'd done something up in Scotland prior to this, but certainly our first in England. It's the first regular scheduled drone flights of any parcel carrier in the UK. So it was great to be involved in that. It was brilliant to test some new uh, technology, something that we really do see as being part of our future going forward. Something that definitely will be um, of use to us in helping serve the remote communities that
2: we serve the best thing and, and the first for this project that i'm most proud of is the fact that we got the two leading companies with very different um but very brilliant drone solutions to collaborate and form uh, a bigger capability so obviously that's wind racers who have their, their very large drone we can carry 100 kgs but is you know confined to uh, airport to airport or large landing strip to large landing strip but can carry bulk of goods um and then we have the smaller drone capability, which is VTOL, which is very agile and flexible and, and technically could land anywhere, providing you know the people below were happy for that to happen. The reason why I'm so proud of that is because you know, if, if we're to have a viable and commercially useful option for the drone sector going forward, we've got to listen to end users and find joint-up solutions that can perform multiple different roles. Um, and I think that's what we achieved on this project.
1: Thanks both. Chris, can you talk us through some of the time savings that can be achieved with these drone deliveries when compared with the methods that the Royal Mail is currently using to get supplies out to the Scilly Isles? The usual method of transport across to the Isles of Scilly is it's a combination really. So we
3: either use the boats or we use one of the uh, the flights, the scheduled flights that go across from Penzance Delivery Office down to Land's End Airport and then get flown across to the uh, St. Mary's Airport in the Isles of Scilly. Depending on weather, sometimes those flights don't go. So you can get traffic put on the on the Salonian, which is the boat that goes across there. And that boat doesn't tend to leave till about sort of nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, which means that mail can sometimes not get to the islands till about one o'clock in the afternoon. And then you're relying on other boats taking the traffic across to the to the islands that make up that, that community. There's five main inhabited islands in the Isles of Scilly. So it can be late afternoon by the time mail gets into the hands of the posties to be delivered, um, depending on the tides, etc. This particular trial saw us take off from Cornwall, the mainland Cornwall, at six o'clock in the morning and land in the Isles of Scilly at 6.50 in the morning. So we're actually knocking off half a day in terms of delivery. So you're getting things into the hands of the people in the Isles of Scilly a lot sooner than you would do there are occasions when um, both the boats and the plane don't go at all and obviously you've got days added to the journey there so drones have the capability of flying in all weathers certainly flying a lot more than a conventional aircraft would do so the potential quality of service benefits for for other customers of the ours is is great it's really something that we're passionate about we take our obligations very seriously and we want to give people the best quality service that we can provide
2: when we integrate drones for the first time, it should be to solve problems that haven't been solved yet. The Alza City is a really good example because uh, any given year, it's between 50 days a year and 90 days a year where there's a deep sea fog that goes between the mainland and the islands, which actually stops typical scheduled services from being able to serve those islands. The good thing about the wind racers drone uh, that we have the approval to fly is that that is an aircraft which can navigate uh, its way from the mainland to the Alza during those conditions of fog. So immediately, that period of time, which is suspended, you can now get things over to the islands. That's, that's a revolution. That's something which the you know, the current tech can't do. What that means from an end user perspective, or even actually not an end user perspective, but actually from people on the ground is, especially during a pandemic, You know, if you... Were awaiting for a result of a test, be it COVID or otherwise, to ensure that your healthcare was was the same as it would be on the mainland. Then this actual new technology and a new drone can can help to level up the healthcare agenda, so people can get a test result in a timescale which you know we would expect here on on the mainland. I mean that's that's a revolution, I think.
1: Thanks, Gareth. There's a lot of significant achievements that we've been hearing about. But what stands out to you? Is there anything particularly memorable or anything that surprised you about this trial?
2: Oh, lots of things. Um, but I'll try and be brief on this one. I think I was really outstanding by um, the level of collaboration amongst all the consortia partners. You know, Typically in, in business, it can be dog eat dog, and that's not the way that I'm wired. But the fact that we had so many different people, and I think at one stage of the project, there was about 100 individuals involved from different organizations, and all of them understood why we were doing it. We are doing it for the right reasons to respond to the COVID-19 issue and also provide some hope for the future. I was amazed by the fact that everyone tuned in with that and um, that was wonderful to be part of. The other thing which was really impressive was... The warmth that was provided to us by the Cornish people. It wasn't our territory. I think hardly any of the companies involved were actually from Cornwall. But, you know, once we'd made, you know, our correct introductions and explained what we were trying to do, the welcome was, was very warm. And we had landowners host us and host out drone delivery areas. We had people be very agile to the needs and requests that we had to make the project a success. And again, it's, it was a lovely example of community in action to try and improve the situation through COVID on the islands.
0: From air traffic zones to controlling drones, this is CAA On Air. Moving on towards the future, um, and as this journey continues, we'd be really keen to find out what are the next steps and if there's any like significant milestones ahead that you're looking to achieve or anything that will essentially propel this project further into those helpful spaces and connecting not only businesses, but people and other elements surrounding that.
2: Thanks, Chelsea. I think now's the perfect time to explain the next uh, steps of our collaboration with Royal Mail. Uh, We've also been doing work um, with Royal Mail and some of our drone delivery partners and um, and other consortium members, I should add, have in the Isle of Mull. So again, another island community, Mull being a huge island actually compared to the Isles of Scilly. We did actually conduct together in collaboration with, uh, what three words, Royal Man Skyports, Royal Mail's first ever parcel delivery on December the 16th, um, 2020. Um, That was the day I think the whole sector changed, actually. Um, You know, the, the day afterwards, I think we got. 111 million clicks on the internet which basically showed the world that drone delivery was here in the UK for a real world end user. The legacy of that is obviously we showcase showcased that as a demonstration but now we are in a deep dive engagement process with um, all the local um, logistics um, all operators that are part of the Royal Mail supply chain but also each of the residents and businesses that exist on the Isle of Mull, which has a population of three and a half thousand people we're going out because we want to talk to them we want to engage with them before we design anything that may or may not happen in the Isle of Mull in the future relating to drones it's a really huge exercise because we want to get the engagement right and we want to get the solutions right there's no point in setting up anything related to the future of drones and and how that might interact with airspace if there isn't a need or a defined use case for it. So that's a really exciting adventure that we've all been on um, this year so far. And Chris and his team have been a huge support on that. And we hope that the the learnings of of that engagement process will help to shape where we can do new innovative things in in that area of the world. On top of that, Raw Mail are also helping us on the Mercury Drone Ports project, which is based um, on the east coast of Scotland in Montrose, along with DTLX, again, also with Skyports and Angus Council. I think that's definitely one to watch. There's some interesting both onshore and, and offshore demonstrations that are planned there, again, to, to test the arts of the possible. And then rounding back to Cornwall again, you know, Cornwall is proving itself as the uh, most unique environment in England to be demonstrating the future of drone technology. And again, there are big plans afoot there to increase the potential for the operation of drones, but also um, do some clever things with airspace uh, with the help of the CAA and other partners, and also to encourage development of the more advanced sectors um, that are a few more years away, such as um, advanced air mobility and EVTOLs.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. And um, yourself, Chris, was there anything you wanted to add with regards to any like milestones or possibly where you're seeing like the next steps of this venture going specifically for the Royal Mail?
3: So I think um, we're on a journey the Isle of Moles our first drone delivery the Isle of Silly trial built on that direction of travel is we want to start looking at more and more communities that we serve and try and work out whether there is a case for drones to be used there so I think watch this space is what I would say there will be a uh, Certainly more announcements from Royal Mail um, in this area and hopefully some bigger and larger stories to tell you about in the future.
1: Thanks again to Gareth and Chris. And as mentioned, you'll find links to more information about this work in the episode notes. Also look out for part three of this series, which will look at another recent trial involving drone delivery support for the NHS response to COVID-19. That one worked with drone deliveries to support the NHS in the Scottish Highlands. And if you have questions or suggestions for areas that you'd like us to cover in future podcasts, You can always get in touch with us by emailing onair at caa.co.uk. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll speak to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening. This is CAA On Air.